Welcome to The Light of the World, and this is Jerry G. Martin. In light of all the things that's been going on in our country and in our culture, I want to share with you some basic biblical truths about what it's going to take to have a blessed home and a blessed family, a blessed community, and a blessed nation. It goes back to what God had already ordained that we have fathers and mothers in the family that will build a strong family. As we have just celebrated Father's Day, it is time for us to implement some of the characteristics of God our Father in being sure that our home and our family represents the kingdom of God. We honor and encourage every father to be like our Heavenly Father. Come and go with us today as we continue to walk in the light of God's Word. Sometimes when I hear people talking about who they are and what their dreams are, I'm often struck by the view that many people have of themselves. Sometimes they speak with an attitude of self-doubt and beating up themselves when things are going wrong. A lot of times we even underestimate the gifts that are in us and those gifts just need to be stirred up. I know that there are more visions and dreams of starting businesses in this church than businesses that are started. A lot of you want to start a business, just never have because you don't think you can make it. Maybe it's the fear of failure. A lot of you have dreams you haven't achieved and haven't even started out on it because you are not confident that you are able to get it done. If we do not have a clear picture of who we are and what our purpose is, we're likely to walk and waver in a path that is routine and unfulfilling. Many of our lives are not fulfilled and we're not happy with where we are in life. If you are a believer, that ought not be so. We are told in the scriptures that God has plans for us. And God is also enriching us and will be a blessing to us. Jeremiah 29, 11. Most of us have heard that before where God is speaking to his people and says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to give you hope and plans to give you a future. God says, I have plans for you. When God made that statement in regard to his people, I want you to know a couple of things about God. God has always had special consideration for his people. Okay, if you're one of his people, you ought to say, well, thank you, Lord. God has always had special consideration for those that are his, for those who walk after him, and for those who love him, and those who are obedient to him. God has special considerations for you. The Bible says he will withhold no good thing for those who walk upright before him. He will behold, he will withhold no good thing. So if you're walking upright before him, you have an expectation for some good things being manifested in your life. And then secondly, God has always made a distinction between those who belong to him And those who does not belong to him. God makes a distinction between those who are his 
and those who do not belong to him. We are the children of God. And if you have children, you can make distinction between those who belong to you and those who don't. You don't want anybody just walking up to you saying, Daddy, hopefully. <laughs> I want to talk about Peter's letter to the church in 1 Peter when he wanted to be sure that the believers knew who they were, first of all, and then secondly, what they are to do as believers. In chapter 2 of 1 Peter, he chose this portion of his letter to encourage and give an exhortation for his readers to walking in holiness and righteousness before God because of who they were. He reminded them that in contrast to the disobedience, if you would read in chapter 1 in the first part of chapter 2, I'm going to start at verse 9, however, if you would read chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, you would see that he's making a distinction between those who were disobedient and said they were destined for destruction. But he wanted to talk about God's people and how they were selected especially. Let's look at this passage, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 9 out of the NIV. It says, but you are a chosen people. The King James used, instead of people, used generation. Then he says, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Again, the King James says his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Peter began this passage in verse 9 by saying, but, in other words, but as for you, in contrast to those who he was speaking to earlier in the chapter. He talked about those when Jesus came, they did not receive him. He was the stone that the builders rejected, he says. They rejected him. They did not understand him. They did not receive him. But he said, but as for you, you have been chosen. Those whom he was speaking to earlier were those who rejected Christ because of that. They were destined for destruction, he said. But as for you, because of your response to the grace of God, you now are the chosen generation. He was talking to the saved folks. He was talking to the church folks. And if he was here standing where I'm standing today, he would say the same thing about you. You are a chosen generation. You have been chosen. One thing about being chosen, you are not chosen by accident. You are chosen always on purpose. Someone has to give us consideration. They have to do some thinking. They have to do some kind of uh, analysis to decide which one to select over another one. You do that when you go to the store. You're over there trying to find tomatoes. Hopefully, you just don't walk down there and grab one. You want to look at it, see if one is bruised, if it's just about as ripe as you want it. You choose one. Do not underappreciate the fact that you are handpicked by God. He did not save you by accident. He saved you on purpose. 
And secondly, he saved you for a purpose. And once we understand that, then we can begin to ask the Lord to help us to align ourselves with whatever purpose for which he chose us. And if you don't understand that he chose you for a purpose, it is not likely that you will function in that purpose or it will take you a long time to start going down that pathway. Again, I said uh, some people think that he just saved us so that we can go to heaven. That's not what he saved us for only. He saved us so we can bring some heaven down here in this place where a lot of hell is going on. If he wanted you to go to heaven, as soon as you got saved, he would have snatched you up and you'd have lost your life so that you wouldn't mess up. But that's not what his purpose was. So the first things I want you to grasp today, number one is, if you grab nothing else, the first thing I want you to grasp and hold on to is the fact that you were chosen. You were chosen. And when we're told that we are chosen people, then a chosen generation... Generation is from that Greek word meaning a race, a body with a common life and a common descent. We are this generation of the people of God. We have been born into the family of God. We've been baptized into the body of Christ. We are all one family of God, one generation of believers. We're all in this together. It doesn't mean a, a group of individuals living within the span of a lifetime as we talk about last generation, the next generation. We're talking about this group that have been called together by God. Jesus called us a church. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against me. That word church, ecclesia, is mean those who were called out. For a particular person, purpose. God called us out for a particular purpose. We were walking down the pathway of our lives. And for some reason we came to the understanding or the place where we knew we needed some change in our life. And we came to a place where we said, Lord, I want you to come into my life. I want you to change my life. I need a new start. Well, you just thought you got there on your own. But it was God working in you to draw you to himself. You didn't just come up with that. He came and he began to work on you in your spirit because he draws us by his spirit. And if the spirit of God doesn't draw you to him, you can't come to him. The first thing I want you to know is that you were chosen by God. And the second thing that Peter tells us is that we are a royal priesthood. We are royal priesthood, and if we are royal priesthood, we get the understanding that uh, we are the royalty. We live in the kingdom of God. We've been born in the family of God. We are the sons of God, and if God is the king, we are the sons of God. The scripture says we are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. We are connected with him. We have a, an inheritance in God, and we are royal priesthood. The Jews that Peter was talking to knew all about the Levitical priesthood in the Old Testament, but they were not royal because they were not connected to the king. And he said, you are not just a priesthood, but you are the royal priesthood. So, you know, you need to start walking around like you got some royalty in your blood. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm not just down and out. I'm not downcast. I'm not oppressed and depressed. I am a royal priest. So you start acting like, you, you know, if you don't have any money when you go somewhere, you can act like you got some money. 
And you'll get treated different if you act like you got some. But folks know you're broke when you come in because you're looking down at the floor, you're scratching your head, and you're trying to say, ah, oh, well, all right. No, you don't have to do that. Walk in there. Walk upright and say, you know, I don't know whether I'm going to buy something here or not. <laughs> my sister-in-law a few years ago went to the Rolls Royce dealer, and she said, my father told me I can have anything I want, so I'm coming to look at one of these cars. He didn't tell him her father was God. She didn't say. <laughs> so I come to look at her. She said, oh, yes, well, come right on in. Well, she comes on in. She's riding around in a Rolls Royce. Well, I don't think I want this for today. I'll come back and look at something else later. <laughs> you got to change your language. I mean, speak properly later. I was telling someone that a few years ago, Pastor Jack and I went to a little restaurant. That was, uh, we hadn't been married long, and. It was one of those that had white tablecloths and the, the maitre d's and the waiters had on tuxedos and we had ordered and before they came and brought the uh, food, I just wanted them to know. I said, listen, I have a coupon. <laughs> and the maitre d' said, I will pick up the certificate later. I said, oh yeah, it's a certificate over here. I'm learning to talk. It's a coupon at McDonald's. It's a certificate over here. Yes, I have a certificate, sir. So you can act like you're raw. Y'all start acting like it. Start acting like you're walking in righteousness. Start acting like God is your father. Start acting like God is going to bless you. Start acting like it. Don't walk around like you're just down and out and nothing's going to happen. Just act like it. Don't let them see you sweat. Talk like it. You'll be surprised what doors open for you. You are royal priesthood, he said. First of all, you're chosen. And secondly, you've been made a royal priest. And then thirdly, he says, you are a holy nation. You're a holy nation. Now, notice that God's going to call you what you are before you even start functioning like what you are. He said, once you get saved, I have chosen you. You're a royal priest and you are a holy nation, a holy people. That means I have set you apart for my use. I've set you apart. Now, you might not be functioning like that, but you're still holy. God stamped holy on your forehead and you need to start walking like who you are. And I guarantee you, we did this exercise a couple of years ago. If you put holy on you and walk around on your job, you'll act different. Just put you a sign on yourself, say, I am holy. And the folks will help you to be holy. <laughs> They're going to say, why are you talking like that? Ain't you supposed to be holy? Why are you looking at that magazine? You supposed to be holy. What you doing up here in the men's club? You supposed to be holy. I know you're not in the liquor store. <laughs> you supposed to be holy. And God says, you are a holy nation. You are a people. Fourthly, you are a people belonging to God. Now, in the King James, he used the word, you are a peculiar. P 
people. Now, you need to know who you are. You are a peculiar people. And once you start having an understanding who you are, you start functioning like that. Now, I used to get so frustrated at my father because he would spend hours and hours telling us who we were and who we were not. Why are you going over this again? He said, you're a hard-working man. You're a working person. You're a believer. You're going to love God. You're going to work hard. You're going to take care of your home. You're going to take care of your family. That's what you do. That's who you are. You're a Martin. You got a reputation. But you know what we do? You know what my wife said? You work hard. <laughs> All of your brothers work hard. All of your family work hard. Because he kept saying, that's who you are. Now, we weren't that when he was telling us that. But that's who you are. You're not broke. You're not somebody on the receiving end all the time. You are productive. You are a business person. You are going to produce something. You're not going to be the renter. You're going to be the landlord. That's what he used to say. You're not the renter. You're the landlord. You're the owner. You ain't on the bottom. Don't you wish somebody had to drill that into you? Back in the 50s, he said, no, he was renting a little barber shop. He says, no, I can't rent this. The next thing you know, he bought him a place, and instead of being a renter, now he's renting the chairs out to somebody else. Then he bought this, and he bought that, and he bought this. I'm not on the bottom. We're going to be on the top of this system right here. I don't care whether we're in Fifth Ward. I don't care whether we colored. But I also, even in that, I had to teach my kids, listen, I'm going to tell you who you are. So you got to know who you are, you, and you need to know who you are in Christ, because somebody keep a telling you uh, who you are, and the next thing you know, one year you're happy, and you got the double anointing, the next year you don't have that. The next year you got a supernatural anointing, then one year you're going through the veil, all kind of stuff going on. You need to get behind the veil so you can get your good. Next thing you got seed time and harvest. Next thing you know, you got this or that or the other. No, know who you are. I am a chosen generation. I'm a royal priest. I'm a holy nation. I belong to God. And I move what God tells me to move. I know who I am. You don't have to tell me who I am. I know who I am. I go to places. I get invited. I don't know. I must have board members stamped on my forehead because I get invited to be on these different boards. And you got a bunch of millionaires and a couple of billionaires sitting up in there. And I told them I'm right in here with y'all. <laughs> they said, would you introduce yourself? I said, all right. You know. <laughs> That, that, that's when you got to fix your mouth. I didn't tell him I was from Fifth Ward. I told him I was from north of downtown. <laughs> from north of downtown. We, we grew up near the downtown area in a low rise. <laughs> but the Lord says we are a peculiar people. Now, that word peculiar today means odd and strange, but it's not the use of that word here. The Greek word for that peculiar means we are unique. We are private. We are the personal ownership of God, the saints, under the personal ownership of God. It literally meant in Greek to make around, to, to make something and then to surround it with a circle indicating your ownership. This is mine. God says, see these people? These are mine. These are my treasured possessions. Each saint is God's unique possession, just as if you were the only saint in his existence. You are special to God. That's why when you're going through something, you just need to remind God, God, I'm yours. 
I am yours. You're in charge of all of this. I'm giving it to you. That's why Peter says, cast your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. Cast your cares upon the Lord. You belong to him. And then after telling us who we are, Peter then tells us what we ought to do as a result of being chosen. He says we ought to declare, or King James says, show forth God's praises. We ought to show forth his praises. The word show forth, it refers to a spoken message. Show forth don't mean somebody ought to just be able to look at me and tell. It means it is a spoken message. Because of what God has done, we ought to lift our voices and tell of the magnificent things that God has done. You ought to tell somebody. Listen, because of who we are and what God has done for us, we ought to tell somebody. I don't know if I, I feel open enough and I'm an introvert and I don't know if I could just tell somebody. No, don't be lying like that. You talk all the time. You talk about stuff that you know that you're interested in. You talk about scandal. You talk about the shows you watch on TV. You talk about your sports team. You talk about the sale that you just got when you got a good deal. You talk about that all the time. Talk about Jesus. Show forth the praises of him. Believers ought to publish abroad. That's what he's saying. Publish abroad. Blow it up. Talk about what God has done for you. You ought to speak of his praises, not your own praises, but his. Show forth the praises of God. The word praises is not the word customarily used as singing, but that which means his excellences, his gracious dealing, his glorious attributes. We ought to be telling others of what God has done for us. More people will come to Christ when the Christians and the believers will begin to talk of God's goodness in our lives. Somebody's going to overhear you and say, how can I get in on that? How can I get in on that? A guy knocked on my door one time when I was working for the corporation I was working for and says, I I'm sorry, but I overhear you on the phone buying stocks. And it seemed like every time you buy stocks, they go up. And every time you sell them, they go down. I've been watching. See, he was overhearing my praise. He wanted to get in on what was going on. And when somebody can hear you say, let me tell you what God has done for me. I was going through something, but God opened that door. After a while, somebody going to say, you know, I'm going through something too. And let me go over here and see how, how this thing works. Now, I, I'm sorry. I hate to just barge in on you, but I couldn't help but hear you. Talking to somebody about what God was doing. And can you tell me how do I need to get in with God just like you in with God? Say, honey, you need to come out of darkness into your marvelous light. That's what Peter says. God has brought you. Then he goes, what God has done for the believer, he says in this passage, God has called us. Now, he had called us, but he said he called you out of darkness into his wonderful marvelous light. This is Jerry G. Martin and you've been listening to The Light of the World and I certainly hope that you've been blessed by today's message. If you would like to hear this message in its entirety, you can do so by going to our podcast at The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. You'll be able to hear today's message and any previous messages that have aired on this station. We trust that God will continue to enrich your life as you walk in the light of his glory and his power. Jesus said he came 
as the light of the world. And then he says, now we are the light of the world. Maybe you are struggling right where you are. I want you to know that we're here to pray for you and to help you to grow spiritually. You can call us right now at our prayer line number 281-964-1393. Again, that's 281-964-1393. And we'll be standing by and praying for you. Maybe you want to make a decision for Christ today. We're here to stand with you and help you to walk through that. I invite you to be our guest at The Light of the World. Each Sunday morning, we're meeting in person at 16161 Old Humble Road. Again, that's 16161 Old Humble Road at 10 o'clock a.m. Or join us online at lowcf.org. Again, that's lowcf.org. If you're looking for a Bible bookstore, come to our campus. The Beacon is right here. We have books, Bible, church, and communion supplies. Call The Beacon, 281-441-2885, 281-441-2885. Now for the light of the world, this is Jerry G. Martin saying, may the Lord our God richly bless you, and we'll be with you again next time.